You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Police are taking the unusual step of issuing a warning to the public about two men. Aaron MacArthur tells us why officers say anyone who knows the pair or finds themselves near them could be jeopardizing their own safety. Twice in 24 hours, gunshots have put innocent lives in danger. Thursday morning, shots aimed at a home in Tawasson. The people inside, not the intended targets. A Surrey youth arrested, and all indications are the target lived in the home, but had moved out. Thursday night, another home ripped up by bullets, this time in Surrey. The shots fired around 9 p.m. According to the RCMP, the residents inside, unknown to police. Our members are in the area still collecting CCTV footage and uh, we encourage anybody that has any information to call the police. It's unclear what the recent violence is tied to, but it shows shooters don't care where or when they open fire or who might be in the way. Surrey RCMP taking the opportunity Friday to warn the public about two gangsters who have been targeted by rivals. So these two individuals are both known to police for their involvement in criminal activity um, as well as high levels of violence. The danger not only to Karnvir Garcha and Harkarat Jati, but to anyone who hangs out with them, their families and the public at large. There is a complete disregard for the safety of people around um, the people who are targets of these incidents. Naming gangsters, an unusual step taken by police agencies, often in the name of public safety. The named individuals in this case have been told by police about the threats and are informed about the publication of their names and faces. We do believe that there is a threat to the safety of people who associate with these two individuals or um, are in proximity of them. Garcha and Jutti, well-known to police and should be well-known to everyone else. If you see these two men, the best advice is to not get too close. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A steam pipe explosion at Victoria General Hospital this morning left two island health workers with serious burns. 30 firefighters responded to the call just after 8.30 and were told to go to the hospital's boiler room. Inside, they found heavy, hot steam filling the hallway while scalding water spilled from a pipe. One worker suffered serious burns to roughly 30% of his body, the other on his neck and hands. Both were rushed to the burn unit at Royal Jubilee Hospital. Island Health confirms no patients were injured, but the incident resulted in a temporary ambulance diversion from Victoria General. The interesting thing was is the crews had zero visibility in the hallway, so as they're going down the hallway looking for this broken pipe, of course, you've got this hot water and steam coming out of the pipe that they can't see because of the steam. So it was, for the first 10 minutes, it was a little difficult to sort of isolate the problem, you know, control that area, and then get up into the ceiling space. But we're talking thousands of gallons of hot water, and of course it was spilling out the doorway, and a lot of offices and a lot of areas affected by it this morning. Operations returned to normal once firefighters were able to stop the flow of steam and water by accessing the pipe through the ceiling panels. RCMP are investigating and WorkSafe BC has assigned a prevention officer to the incident. After two years of COVID-19 restrictions and New Year's Eve coming on a Saturday night, the hospitality industry is hoping to make up for lost time and money. 
And as Madagahi reports, police are preparing for a busy night too. It's the calm before the storm at Elisa Steakhouse in Vancouver's Yale Town. Like many other downtown restaurants, staff are expecting a New Year's Eve in a full dining hall to almost feel like traveling back in time to 2019. So this is probably the best gift this industry has seen in, in since the pandemic. For the first time in three years, BC will celebrate New Year's Eve with no pandemic restrictions. An anecdotal celebration for the hospitality industry. We're seeing such a pent-up demand for people to want to socialize. They want to go out. They want to go to parties. They want to go to restaurants. They just want to go out. And that is so much stronger than the sort of clouds of recession and inflation around us. People don't care. They are just going out to have fun and to socialize. Last year, just weeks before New Year's Eve, the province cancelled all public New Year's Eve events, told liquor primary nightclubs to close and limited house parties to 10 vaccinated people. Masks while standing were enforced and mingling between tables and dancing were discouraged. One year before that, on the day before New Year's Eve, the government announced it would cut off liquor sales at 8 p.m. We're looking forward to having an exciting New Year's Eve for the first time in three years, really. It's the first time we don't have any particular public health protocols mandated by government. You know, people are allowed to dance. Police in the region's biggest cities expect to be busy Saturday. On New Year's Eve, uh, we tend to see, you know, calls that involve alcohol, um, you know, loud parties, disturbances, things of that nature. Um, we're also out there looking for impaired drivers. With Vancouver police increasing patrols in Yaletown, Gastown and on Granville Street. They will also have their gang crime unit and traffic section out in larger numbers. If you do need help, if you need are in trouble, you need us, just flag us down. There will be more parties and more drinking. So we really want people to plan ahead, plan a safe ride home. Everybody in British Columbia in particular need to take a break and just go out and have some fun and just put all this stuff behind them for, for a couple hours and just have some fun. Bars and restaurants hope a booming night will help many owners set up for the slower winter months ahead. Emadagahi, Global News. A serious collision closed a section of Highway 97 to all traffic for hours today. Kelowna and Lake Country RCMP responded to a jackknifed semi-truck that crashed through the concrete barrier separating the north and southbound lanes of Highway 97. It blocked the highway completely at Old Vernon Road. Traffic in both directions was rerouted as emergency vehicles and investigators were on scene. It appears a second vehicle was also involved in the crash. No word yet on what caused it or the extent of any injuries, but witnesses say the road was slushy and icy at the time. The airline crisis caused by last week's winter storm has dissipated for most carriers, but it is still a huge problem for passengers stuck at Sunwing destinations. Sunwing promises it should have most, if not all, of its stranded passengers back home by Monday. But the damage to the company's reputation is already done. And as Nithu Garcha reports, calls are now growing for Ottawa to take action. To be in that situation feeling helpless, um, it's a very uneasy feeling. Rod and Rochelle Perkins finally returned home to BC Thursday after a trip to Cuba, which they say took an unsettling turn. After handing over their visitor visa at the airport to fly home Wednesday, the flight was cancelled. Without visas or a flight home, they say they were left to the mercy of Sunwing. No one could, we cannot separate from the rest of the passengers. Of the plane, yeah. So they put us through a side door in the Cuba airport 
we got all on a shuttle and they took us to a resort that we weren't even familiar with, a hotel that we weren't even familiar with, and we couldn't leave that hotel. Over in Mexico, Nick Dasovic says communication from the same airline is still inconsistent. There's about 500 people in the hotel trying to get out. The Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer's one-week family vacation turned into nearly two weeks because of cancelled flights. You know, people are saying, what are you guys worried about? You're in, a, you're in an all-inclusive down in Mazatlan. But, you know, a lot of the people here are starting to really struggle. Sunwing said it's navigating unprecedented operational challenges and that 40 recovery flights were planned for this week. But on Thursday, the airline announced it's suspending its operations in Saskatoon and Regina until after February 3rd. It's pretty surprising uh, development. You know, five weeks of cancelled operations is, is pretty dramatic. In a statement, Premier Scott Moe called it a very irresponsible decision by Sunwing and that the provincial transportation minister has been in touch with the company and Ottawa asking for a detailed plan of how and when passengers from Saskatchewan will get back, adding they expect Sunwing to appropriately compensate everyone. The airline is offering refunds to customers with flights already booked, but this passenger rights advocate is recommending they refuse those refunds recommend passengers not to take a refund, but insist that Sunwing provide them with alternate transportation or pay for it. We are not talking here about situations like weather. We're talking here about business decisions, economic decisions, and Sunwing made a bad bet, bad gamble. It's time to pay the bill. I really think of plan being plan C now. That's for sure when, when we head out of the country, make sure the worst case scenario is covered, which Sadly. just was. As passengers like Rochelle and Rod rethink how they plan their future travel. Neetu Garcha, Global News. And late this afternoon, Sunwing issued this statement saying, We recognize that despite our best efforts, we have failed to deliver on our customers' expectations. And we deeply apologize for this. We would also like to reassure our customers that our teams locally and in destination continue to do everything possible to restore regular service and return our remaining delayed customers home. A number of families hoping to spend their Christmas holidays skiing in the Okanagan found themselves without their gear thanks to the flight cancellation chaos. So literally when we got here, we were in tennis shoes. The Donnelly family, among many who found themselves staring at the ski hills from their rooms at the Big White Resort. Their luggage containing their winter clothing and ski gear didn't come with them. The frustrating part is that um, there's no communication with WestJet. Their website isn't updating. Uh, it's not showing where our bags are and when we could have them and it's impossible to get through on the phone. We've dealt with delayed luggage, lost luggage before, never in this magnitude. We have a shuttle service that goes in and out of that airport 27 times a day, so we're having a lot of bags delivered to us or we're picking up a lot of bags, and we're acting like a, cent a central commissary for the entire resort. With the rising cost of living, many shoppers in B.C. Oh, sorry, the bright spot I wanted to mention Several people lent the family ski gear and clothes, and they were able to get a couple of days' worth of skiing in.
A South Vancouver elementary school forced to close due to flooding over the holidays is set to resume, cl resume classes much sooner than expected, but at a new temporary location. The closure of Sir James Douglas Elementary comes after the massive winter storm earlier this week froze water pipes and ended up flooding the building. The Vancouver School Board says there is significant damage to the school. Efforts are underway to find a temporary location for the 527 students. Parents and guardians are being promised classes will be back January 5th rather than the few months that had originally been predicted. All right now with the rising cost of living, many shoppers in B.C. are changing their habits, including at the grocery store. As Richard Zussman reports, the province is now looking into ways to keep costs down while encouraging consumers to buy local. With the calendar flipping to 2023, there's a lot at stake at Two Rivers Meats in North Vancouver. People feel the pinch right now with all the added costs that are happening, and it's a little bit harder for them to spend the extra dollar to really support a local business. Small local businesses working with local farms can't meet the same price points as international mass producers, and it's hurting. It's more expensive to produce things with Canadian products on Canadian soil. It's a lot cheaper to import products from overseas or from the States. In 2022, the cost of fruit in Canada went up 11.4%, meat up 7.6%, dairy up nearly 10%, and bakery goods up nearly 15%. They're not going to come down, but they're not going to keep going up. And I say that because it is very seldom that... that prices once they go up that they go down. The cost of food, a domino effect, being felt at famous foods in Vancouver and all other grocery stores. The customer's dollar doesn't go as far, driving retailers to search for cheaper products, impacting local producers and local jobs. The price is what's, you know, going to decide right now, you know, and as much as they might like to, to buy something more local, but, you know, if, if there's something else similar that's you know, cheaper, they're probably going to go that way. The provincial government is attempting to help. BC products are now more common in schools and hospitals. And there's a big push to provide even more support. Looking at ways that we can do more processing of our foods here in British Columbia, when crops are grown, that they're processed here, and they don't have to leave the province and then come back to be sold to British Columbians. If done right and quick enough, this should lead to fuel savings, keeping costs down, and ensuring local producers are still serving their customers. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. A young hero recognized for bravery. Here is the fire chief's commendation. What she did to save her neighbors when fire broke out in the building, next on the News Hour. Drug money, a novel idea to encourage the addicted to enter treatment and how it might pay off. Coming up, plus... The surprise catch off the West Coast that's going viral later on the news hour. Right now, though, a special ceremony in North Vancouver today to honor a young girl for her bravery and quick thinking. As Paul Johnson reports, the 12-year-old hero played a big part in getting her neighbors to safety during a fire. Uh, it's our pleasure and honor to have, uh, have everybody here today and uh, to recognize something I think that is very special and unique in the community. At fire station number one in North Van Friday, amidst all the chiefs and local dignitaries, it was a 12-year-old girl in sneakers and hoodie who everyone came to see. 
The backstory to this event is a local disaster. Tuesday morning's fire in the International Plaza apartments injured a handful of people and put several dozen more out of their homes. But it could have been much worse had it not been for the quick thinking and courage of the Reza E family, who smelled the smoke and alerted neighbors. But it was Perias in particular, whose door knocking and call to 911 likely made the difference between hardship and tragedy. Their immediate neighbors in Unit 366 indicated that Parias probably saved their life. And that's the kind of story that gets around. By Friday, the recognition was pouring in, some from other girls in the neighborhood. It says you were a lifesaver and um, you saved every, you saved all those people. Parias, what we have for you here is the fire chief's commendation. And it says, presented in recognition for your outstanding actions in response to the fire incident on December 27th, 2022. This is where the cool kids sit up here. For Parias and her little brother, there was the obligatory tour of the fire engines and all their gear. But heading into 2023, how about this for a story of what you did over the holiday break? So you felt like the duty to your neighbors was stronger than fear? Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. Like when something, like, I don't, I didn't have like a fear at that time. I just wanted to get out. I wasn't like, I just wanted everybody else to get out too. Because like, I was just making sure everybody's there. In North Van, Paul Johnson, Global News. Neighbors are lucky to have her. No doubt. Coming up, lessons from Portugal. I just feel amazed how politicians can not do anything for so long. What Vancouver can learn from the small Mediterranean nation that might help end our opioid crisis. Good evening, still waiting for police to arrive on scene to a two-car crash here northbound at the south end of the Alex Fraser Bridge. Only the right lane is currently getting by and traffic is heavily backed up on the approach on the 91 from 64th Avenue. Feeder routes like Nordell and 72nd also extra busy. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $25 million. Lotto Max dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Finding a solution to BC's toxic drug crisis has long frustrated public health officials, but one approach that's been widely touted comes into effect next month, the decriminalization of small amounts of some drugs. Decriminalization is a key component of the Portugal model, which has been seen by many as a success. But as Romina Dea reports, those behind Portugal's strategy say BC is missing one critical element. In Portugal, all drugs, from marijuana to heroin, have been decriminalized. But using drugs is still illegal. You can't walk down the street with a joint or shoot up in public. If you're caught, you will likely get a ticket and appear before the Dissuasion Commission. I'm in a very good position to provide people with help if they are willing to receive it, much better than any drug court or any court. I can check the availability of the treatment center of the residential area with a phone call. The goal, to help people get off drugs. Drug dealers and traffickers are still dealt with in the justice system. But if you're caught with illicit drugs for personal use, it is not a criminal offense. It's an administrative one, dealt with under the Ministry of Health. 
and I can offer this person. Do you want to discuss it with a social worker? Do you want to discuss these difficulties with a psychologist? And the aim is to interrupt a career that can lead this person to a more problematic use later on. The wait time's essentially zero. In Portugal, people rarely die from overdose. But 20 years ago, it resembled Vancouver. I just feel amazed how politicians can not do anything for so long. It's not that hard of a situation to manage. Doctors Nuno Capache and Joa Golau have spent time in the trenches of Vancouver's drug crisis. This was Lisbon in the 1990s, which is what led to Portugal's revolutionary drug reform in 2001. Overdose deaths now down more than 80% in Portugal. 63 people died in the entire country last year. In BC alone, it was more than 2,200. Harm reduction, treatment, coping skills, reintegration programs, aggressive coordination is key. But there must be political will, insists Kapage. There's no point in sending someone uh, for a full month to a, a, a detox structure if you do not follow up that with some sort of reinsertion programs, right? Because otherwise the people will just go back on the streets and relapse right away. For years, advocates like Pivot Legal Society have been pushing Vancouver City Hall to support the Portuguese model of decriminalization, but without a crucial component, the Dissuasion Commission. The legacy of racist, anti-poor policing means that even a seemingly benign interaction with the police officer is often experienced as a hostile detention. It doesn't criminalize. The sanctions that are applied that may be imposed by the by the by the dissuasion commissions never imply incarceration. We asked Pivot for comment, but no response since Tuesday. BC's new premier says the government is working on getting treatment for anyone who wants it. We're building out that network of treatment centers uh, and treatment supports across the province. Uh, but it takes time. It takes physical facilities. The province on the brink of decriminalization with no comprehensive plan in place to provide timely services and supports. Starting January 31st, no arrests, no charges for small amounts of some hard drugs, including opioids, cocaine and methamphetamine. Romina Dea, Global News. And two addiction recovery advocates are proposing another new tactic, paying drug users to go to treatment. As Kristen Robinson reports, they say the cash incentive would help keep people on the road to recovery. Luckily, I was found. Jory Reben is back home hours after he overdosed alone on the street. Reben brought back to life by firefighters after bystanders, including a global news camera, delivered naloxone when they discovered him unconscious in his tent. I had to thank him for saving my life, which was uh, very hard. This is the same doorway where Guy Felicella slept during his two decades of homelessness and addiction. Almost 10 years clean, Felicella has a new hustle the idea of paying people to enter treatment, $20 a day for the most vulnerable. We have to do better at investing in people to make recovery somewhat more attractive for people to try. You're trying to uh, sort of challenge the notion that we need to force people into treatment services. He and Alberta addiction specialist Dr. Monty Ghosh 
proposing incentivized treatment. One of the big things that substance use hijacks is the reward system in the brain. And your body becomes dependent upon that drug. Not that your mind wants to be a drug user. The power of drugs needs to be counteracted and money works, they say, citing the $5 in cash that convinced downtown Eastside residents to get COVID vaccines. $600 a month would give people something to work with when they leave treatment and attempt recovery. This is a way of giving people back, you know, their confidence and, you know, a little bit of identity. Governments, they say, can't afford not to try and test the concept. Right now, the cost of substance use Canada-wide is about $46 billion a year. We believe that incentivization would be cheaper than the total accumulative costs that substance use has on Canada. In a statement, BC's Ministry of Mental Health and Addiction said the government is always open to exploring new options that will prevent deaths and end the toxic drugs crisis. Incentives on their own are only part of what's necessary. SFU professor Julian Summers says 20 bucks a day likely won't help without housing supports and work opportunities in place. More important for many people is simply gaining access to the resources that they'll need over time in order to overcome their addiction. It would give them an incentive to have an option to make a decision other than one based on survival. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Just ahead, one of the top human rights stories of 2022. Our year in review and the global movement to support women in Iran. Also ahead, the top baby names of the year. And if they don't, Noah, Liam guessing. Chris Galis wrote that. <laughs> Who's responsible? A little bit of extra northbound traffic to the Massey Tunnel this evening as everyone avoids taking the Alex Fraser Bridge. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $25 million. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. This year, dramatic events in Iran galvanized British Columbians and others around the globe to take action. Widespread protests and demonstrations sent a message to the regime, human rights must be respected. Negar Moshahedi now with a story of anger and defiance that drew big crowds to the streets. September 16, 2022, marks the start of widespread protests in Iran, with women taking the lead. The catalyst for change, the death of 22-year-old Kurdish-Iranian woman Masa Jina Amini, who died while under police custody. What began as an outpouring of anger and grief over Amini's death evolved with people demanding an end to the Islamic Republic. That call reaching all the way to B.C. In Vancouver and cities across Canada, weekly Saturday protests are taking place in solidarity with the people of Iran. Shah Rukh attends those Saturday protests in honor of his cousin, Dr. Farhad Niknam, a Toronto dentist who was killed when the Islamic Republic Revolutionary Guard Corps shot down Ukraine Airlines Flight 752 on January 8, 2020. His body was in half. The only good recover half of his body. He just went over to Iran for Christmas break and to see himself. And there's only one thing that makes us feel better. When we can find the Islamic regime guilty of shooting down these innocent people. 
The following month, Tehran brought in military tanks to the Kurdish region to crack down on anti-regime protests. Port Moody resident Mehran has family there. She fears for them. I'm just watching it and witnessing it. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen right now there? Is it like my, my niece is going to be shot? Nazanin, whose face is being blurred for her protection, traveled to Iran before the uprisings began. She participated in demonstrations, was attacked by security forces, and witnessed atrocities happening in the streets. Still, I have nightmare. Yes, I have a nightmare. I saw the brutality of regime. There was a young man who was shot in his chest and had a difficulty breathing. In October, the biggest human chain in BC's history took place with tens of thousands of people lining the Lionsgate Bridge, chanting women, life, freedom. We're doing this to bring justice eventually back to Iran. December 8th, the Islamic Republic executes Mohsen Shawkadi. He was hanged to death, the first known execution of a protester convicted over nationwide protests. That further fueling the resolve and determination of the Iranian-Canadian community here, fighting for justice and standing united against the Islamic Republic. Negar Moshehedi, Global News. Well, the province is releasing its list of top baby names for 2022. More than 37,000 babies were born in B.C. this year. No doubt a few Sophies and Chris's among <laughs> them, but the Vital Statistics Agency has compiled a preliminary list of the most popular names last year, no, or this year, I guess. Noah was the top choice for parents, followed by Olivia, Oliver, and Liam. Theodore, Jack, Emma, Lucas, Leo, and Sophia, that sounds like Will's grade 6 class, <laughs> also landing spots near the top of the list. In 2021, more than 44,000 babies were born in B.C., so about 7,000 more than this year. Chris was there, like, just missed the cut. Just, and Sophia. Sophia was there. <laughs> All right, fishing for prawns takes a wild turn off the West Coast. The giant surprise the people on this boat hauled up instead later. Last couple of days of 2022, Yvonne, how will we close out the year weather-wise? Uh, just a few showers, no snow, which is great news. And we're still tracking some showers this evening, so a heads up with a few heavier pockets towards the Fraser Valley at this hour. It'll be spotty across the island, and that'll take us in towards tomorrow, mainly cloudy with the chance of showers. In behind it, though, a nice break, and this will likely take us in towards our New Year's Day. Heads up, though, if you're traveling along the mountain passes, we do have some fog, limited visibility for a few areas, and additional snowfall amounts, most areas along the Sea to Sky. We will be looking at some wet snowfall changing over to flurries by tomorrow, but higher amounts will be along the Coquihalla between 5 and up to 10 centimetres and an additional 5 centimetres for tomorrow. So check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. Now the northern half of the province along the coast will bump up to 3. Inland it will be flurries similar for the central interior, not much in terms of accumulation. To kick things off for the southeastern corners of the province, we could see wet flurries changing over to showers. Kamloops through the day tomorrow will bump up to 2. It's really those higher elevations 
elevations that will still see accumulating snowfall, um, mountain passes with up to five centimeters. Along the south coast and much of the lower mainland, we will be seeing a mainly cloudy sky, a chance for some showers. It'll be very isolated as we get in towards the evening hours, overnight and towards our Sunday for New Year's Day. We are looking at the potential for some fog patches. It'll dissipate some bright spots though for our New Year's Day. And then in towards our Monday, a dry start so far with temperatures up to five. All right, tonight's weather window, a gorgeous shot that was captured today. And this was at Big Bar Lake. So thank you so much, Sandy. Mm. Guys? Great spot up in the Caribou. Awesome. Thanks, Yvonne. A fishing trip on Vancouver Island netted a much bigger catch than anyone expected. Whoa. You're kidding! That. that is so huge! You can hear the disbelief and excitement in their voices as they pull up a prawn trap and find a northern giant Pacific octopus clinging onto their catch. It happened last week in the Alberni Inlet. When we first started pulling the trap up, it was super heavy. So we just thought it was a pretty full prawn trap and it was orange, just like prawns. So we're like, wow, this trap is like so full. And then as it was like surfacing, we're like, oh my gosh, that is a huge octopus. I was just like super excited to actually see it. I love um, ocean life, so I was very like, excited and surprised. Brooke's video posted to social media has received around 30 million views. She says she's grateful she had a chance to share that rare encounter with the world. Video of the day, no doubt. All right, Squire joins us now in a look ahead to sports. I wonder how long it took him to get the octopus to let go. Well, it's eight legs, so <laughs> it takes a while. Got to peel them all An off. Hour a leg, <laughs> the full day's work. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux will talk about JT Miller last night yelling at goalie Colin Delia when the Canucks needed to get an extra attacker on late in the game against the Jets. I think we're making a mountain out of a molehill. All he's doing is, is, uh, is trying to get the guy to go off the ice with a minute to go to try to tie the game. This is what happened and it got a lot of people talking but the coach says don't blame the players here. Also tonight, a little satellite debris snack to close off 2022. Breaking news now, and boy, it's been a weird last few days of 2022. Mm -hmm. We've just learned that Barbara Walters, the trailblazing television news broadcaster, longtime ABC News anchor and correspondent, has passed away. Yeah, the first female co-anchor of an evening news program. Uh, she continued to work, uh, you know, right through uh, pretty much until now. I and mean, she was 93 years old and she kept going, executive producing The View and, yeah. you know, doing her interviews. So just paved the way for so many women in this business. It was Betty White that we learned about on New Year's Eve last year and now one night before mm -hmm. New Year's Eve, Barbara Walters, but a giant in the television news business is gone. Mm -hmm. Tough one. All right, Squire is here now with uh, Sports. Wanted to make that mention and uh, you take it from here. All right. Um, one thing about JT Miller, you can never accuse him of hiding his feelings. He would make a terrible poker player because you would always know if he had been dealt a bad hand. And last night, he let Canucks goalie Colin Delia know that he should be leaving the net and not waiting for the coach's signal to get off the ice for an extra attacker. Today, Miller said there are no hard feelings between the two players. He was just letting Delia know that he should get off the ice. 
Now, some people think the way he did it was a little too animated. It looked like my dad yelling at me to take the garbage out. But this is the heat of the moment. And not long after, Delia did go to the bench, and the Jets did score to make it 4-2, to and that's how the game ended. Bruce Boudreaux said, don't blame either of the players involved for what happened. He's ultimately responsible for this incident. You know, it's... It's my fault. Like, I mean, uh, we were pulling, uh, Colin was looking at me, and he wasn't paying any attention to JT. If you've ever been on the ice, it's pretty hard to hear. So, I mean, he was trying to get his attention. Uh, there was no animosity built. I mean, there's 48 seconds left in the game. He's looking at me. I'm waiting for us to come up the ice a little bit to make sure we have possession. So, uh, I think it's uh, I think it's being blown way out of proportion. And, I mean, JT's doing everything he can do to win at that point. And, and Collins being the good person where he's looking, he's a new, young new guy with us, and he's looking at me for direction. So, I mean, if I didn't give the proper direction, it's on me. The Canucks have promoted Will Lockwood, who's nice to kids, from Abbotsford and sent Nils Oman down to the farm team. Lockwood has 12 goals in 24 games with Abby this season, has yet to score a goal in the NHL. He's played 16 NHL games, but he is deserving of the call up the way he has played of late. Well, the Seattle Seahawks have faded a bit from the playoff picture, but they could get back into focus if they can beat the Jets this weekend at Lumen Field. Now, Seattle quarterback Geno Smith started his career with the New York Jets. It did not go well at all. So this is a chance for a bit of redemption while keeping his team's postseason hopes alive. Smith in trouble, oh, down he goes. Cool. And that is how this ends. Even though the Seahawks have lost five of their last six, they still have a decent chance of making the NFL postseason. But it means winning their last two and hoping Washington loses one of its last two. Not an impossible scenario. But it all starts Sunday against the Jets. The Seahawks need a win at Lumen Field where they've lost three straight games. No, it's huge. It's huge. We've known it all year long that it's going to come down to these games, you know, and, and so it, it, it's nothing's changed in that regard. Um, it, the, the urgency is obviously there, but it would have been there no matter what the situation is. And, and so we want to go out and play really well here and finish up and get ready and, and get ready to keep playing. So uh, that's what this is all about. The Jets are also scuffling, having lost four in a row and five of six, but like the Seahawks, still have a chance to make the playoffs. And they have Mike White back at quarterback, who played well before he got injured. And the Seahawks are aware the Jets are a much more dangerous team with White at quarterback. I think they are, when they have Mike White playing, they seem um, more settled, calm. You can tell they have a lot of confidence in him when he's out there uh, and running the offense. The Jets' offense has not been nearly as explosive since rookie running back Brees Hall was lost with a season-ending knee injury. That will help the Seahawks defend the run much better. But all eyes are on Geno Smith, the ex-Jet who's had a breakout season in Seattle. In New York, Geno threw 28 touchdown passes over four seasons. He's got 27 already this season with Seattle. Beating his old team in a game this big would be pretty special for Gino, who also gets a $2 million bonus should the Seahawks make the playoffs. The importance of it is, you know, we need a win so we can get to the playoffs. Um, you know, I got a lot of love for the Jets, um, the organization, and a lot of people that are still there that were there when I got drafted. So um, for me uh, in this team, it's, it's, you know, business as usual, another week to prepare, and a tough challenge for us to go out there and, uh, you know, try and get this win we need it. He has two million reasons to make the playoffs. Christmas gift to myself. I got tickets for that game, so I'll be down. <laughs> nice.
All right, uh, stick around. Satellite debris, the final one of 2022, up next. Sarah McDonald here now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Sarah? So for following an ongoing police incident in the Fraser Valley tonight with multiple agencies on scene, take a look from our chopper. There is a large police presence in Maple Ridge tonight with several residential blocks closed off to traffic at this hour. Ridge Meadows RCMP and New Westminster Police are both on scene at this unfolding situation. This is all happening at 227th Street and 124 Avenue. One nearby resident tells our newsroom they heard and felt a loud bang that shook the walls of their house about an hour ago. We have a crew on scene as we work to confirm more details with officials on this. We'll have a full update tonight at 11, guys. All right, thanks for that, Sarah. And now, time to close out Satellite Debris 2022 with Squire Barnes. Yeah, we thought we'd find a couple of our favorites. So we'll start with this one from Doritos and Cheetos. And that rhymes. <laughs> Murray, have you decided on a name? We're thinking Callum. <laughs> this is Callum Murray. <laughs> Callum Murray to the seafood aisle. Callum Murray, why did they name you that? <laughs> I take you. Callum Murray. <laughs> Let's make it Jack. Drink it through with Dare Ice Coffee. Okay, here's nice the stuff. one uh, that Ladbrokes did, which uh, inserted the, uh, well, the inspirational running scene from Rocky II. Oh, yeah.
That costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. so Here good. are two from Geico. The first one with uh, Lisa Loeb. Shield, take one. You say I got a crack in my windshield. Uh, Lisa, maybe less heartbroken. Geico lets you file a claim online, over the phone, or with their app. That makes me want to say Are you crying? No, there's, there's pollen. Geico. Great service without all the drama. Well, this is awful. Try it. Oh, no, that looks gross. What is that? You gotta try it. It's terrible. I don't want to try it if it's terrible. It's like mango chutney and, and burnt hair. No, thank you. I have a very sensitive palate. Just try it! Guys, I think we should hurry up. If you taste something bad, you want someone else to try it. It's what you do. I can't get the taste out of my mouth. If you want to save 15% or more on car insurance, you switch to Geico. It's what you do. Shh. Dog, 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 Okay, now we can uh, all get ready for 2023. Now we can. Thanks very much for hanging with us this year. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. See you next week.